0: Hi, I'm Talia Masiri, Editor at Real Deals, and here is a summary of our recent Secondaries Roundtable discussion, where I was joined by Graham Thomas, Managing Partner at Stage Capital, Raj Chail, Principal of Secondaries Investments at Hamilton Lane, Petra Bukovec, Partner at Pantheon, Valerie Handel, Managing Director at Harbourvest, and Ian Visa, Origination Director for Fund Solutions at Investec. Okay, so to begin, um, clearly... All of us have been impacted by the pandemic in some way or other. Um, and this, of course, is no different for secondaries as well. Um, so to start, I'm interested to get views from each of you um, on the panel first um, about kind of what, what was the initial response of secondary players to the pandemic um, and how have secondary f- funds performed in the last 12 years? Um, so, Graham, from, from a GP's perspective, could you perhaps start us off here?
1: I personally was quite surprised by how quickly the market, certainly on the GP led side and the, and the big, bigger GP led side, bounced back in the second half of the year. I mean, it was a fairly dramatic, uh, dramatic bounce back. So, you know, I, I think the initial the initial was what does this mean for valuations and uh, and 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 when does that settle down? And I think in some instances it settled down pretty quickly, um, and in others it is still settling down. I think as a general observation, if I look at our portfolio. Um, when we did our Q1 valuations, which were sort of in the heart of, of the first lockdown, uh, we were we were pretty cautious about it. And I okay. think, in general, in speaking to other GPs and LPS, I think this is generally true. It wasn't as bad as perhaps we had feared.
0: I'm interested to get the view of the, the LPs on the panel as well. Um, what how did you view the, the secondaries market since the since the pandemic hit? Um and how comfortable were you with allocating capital to, to secondaries funds? Um Petra, would you be able to start us off here? Deal flow um has significantly
2: slowed down in Q2 especially on the traditional LP side um you know given the uncertainties in the market um mm-hmm. which has resulted in you know buyers being more cautious but the sellers not adjusting their price expectations yet um on the GP led market, um I we didn't see a, um you know a significant drop. Um and you know, as soon as the summer hit, um, you know, the, the GP led market remained, you know, or picked up and has remained um extremely active, you know, throughout the second
0: half of twenty twenty. Valerie and perhaps Roger can follow on. What what are your views of, of the overall kind of response of the secondary market to uh, to the pandemic?
3: I think you know one of the characteristics of the secondary market is that you you are purchasing assets on valuations that are a quarter to two quarters stale, if you want. And so we we all needed to a, take stock of what was going on in the markets, what the reality of the economy was. Um, but also needed time for the valuations to, to adjust, to, to reflect yeah. reality on the one hand with the markets dropping, but also very importantly from an operating performance, um, trying to, you know, uh, peel, peel back the onion to really understand um, which companies were being affected versus mm-hmm. those who, who were actually benefiting um, from, from the pandemic.
4: You know, there was a slowdown in deal flow um, during, net, uh, during uh, the pandemic and especially during Q2. I think, um, I guess, what we tried to do is um, really sort of play areas that led recovery, so more around growth and uh, more technology-led type assets. So I think you know, where we spent time was more around that during the sort of latter mm-hmm. of Q2 and Q3. Um, and, and actually, similar to everybody else, overall, 2020 was pretty much in line with 2019 in terms of deployment. Uh, and actually, I guess, you know, just immediately after um, the pandemic during Q2, uh, there was a lot of, um, I think, sort of buzz in the market around preferred equity deals. Um, I think that, you know, that that's something that um, I think a lot of secondary players looked at. Uh, I think there's a sort of question around, you know, how much of that deal flow got done um, from mm. players who, you know, aren't necessarily totally focused on preferred equity. But, yeah.
0: Last but not least, on this question, Ian, um, I know Investec have, have recently done their secondaries reports. Um, so, have you got any observations as to how, how the market responded?
5: Q2 was really a time for, especially for GPs, to um, educate themselves as to what liquidity alternatives uh, were available in the market. In fact, I think the number of calls and uh, discussions we had, uh, you know, it was off the charts. In fact, I would go as far as to say bankers including ourselves generally phone secondary participants and primary participants, but the the, the tables had turned, we were getting the call. So it was actually quite a nice position to be in.
0: And um, and now moving slightly on in terms of clearly the the industry is young in comparison to other asset classes. Um, and I guess one of the the key benchmarks that we like to to compare back to in finance quite a lot is the Great Financial Crisis of of two thousand and eight two thousand and nine. Um, clearly, there it wasn't a similar recession in terms of the pandemic was a health crisis. The Great Financial Crisis was pu- was mostly um, financially led. Um, but I'm interested to understand how the response of the market this time round. Um, can be compared to how the secondary markets responded to the Great Financial Crisis. Um, Raj, do you do you have any views on this at all?
4: You know, if you just sort of uh, take a step back and just think about you know what happened last time versus this time, you know, the the big I think difference, and this applies not just to secondaries but generally across markets, is stimulus. Um, I think you know this time there was almost immediate application of stimulus across central banks, etc., and that's obviously. Um, kept markets uh, buoyed and actually uh, driven a really strong recovery. So I think in terms of what happened this time around as his last time around, the actual deal flow was obviously subdued, but not nowhere near for as uh, a long period as it was um, last time round. So I think, you know, there was sort of a short period. I think everyone sort of echoed this. There's a short period where there was some slowdown activity, but everyone has generally had a very strong 2020. I think last time round. <clears throat> that, that slowdown was a, a little bit longer.
0: Sure.
4: Um I, I think uh in terms of what the market size is, I mean the market has grown tremendously in size. I think volume last uh lot 20 across 2019 and 2020, I think uh obviously there's a volume sort of stepped down, but you know, run rates probably 90 billion, 80, 80 to 90 or something. And I think this this year everyone's expecting maybe close to 100. I've seen figures like that. Mm-hmm. The market last time was, you know, probably twenty percent of the size of that, um, and obviously there's been a uh, an increase in fundraising across, you know, all secondary uh, or ne- nearly all secondary funds. And
0: um, and Ian, what what are your views? Kind of what uh, what was the size of the market then, um, and how how, and or, or more so, how has the market matured? Would you say since the GFC?
5: I think uh, you know, firstly. Um, there was no, we didn't um, see a lot of distressed sales. I think there were a couple, but I think that's the first thing. I think, you know, there were structural changes. Balance, uh, banks needed to effectively, because of regulations, also offload some of their private equity exposures. So I think the dynamics changed, um, you know, certainly since the GFC and until where it is now. The, uh, the, the one thing that I would say what we saw is where there were a bit more concern is, um, large family offices, potentially, you know, where they had investments in private equity, they were worried about distributions versus calls, and they were looking at, um, you know, liquidity alternatives to effectively bridge that gap. So I would probably say the likes of uh, Harperverse, Pantheon, et cetera, you know, no forced sales, they could sit on their hands and look for the right assets to buy versus more on the, the private side that don't have the deep pockets, uh, you know, they were certainly a bit more worried.
0: And Petra, um, we've we've touched on it at the beginning, but in terms of pricing um, of the secondaries market, how has it been impacted um, by the pandemic? And would you say can fair value be achieved in this economy at the moment? Pricing
2: has been impacted, you know, last spring, you know, when the COVID crisis hit, you know, to a certain extent because of the uncertainties, um, you know, uncertainty in the market, how, you know, th- how the businesses are going to be impacted, you know, what's going to be the extent of the impact. The pricing has improved, you know, in the secondary mm-hmm. market, as, as Valerie said, we're pricing based off, you know, two quarter or two quarters old account dates, you know, uh, referencing the NAV. So as those NAVs have been adjusted, you know, the pricing, um has improved. Um, I think, especially the high-quality assets or the COVID resilient assets, um, you know, have mm-hmm. continued
0: to price. And, and Graham, do you do you share those thoughts in terms of the the pricing of the second base market? Um, have you had to do a lot of reading between the lines, reading between COVID of COVID um, adjusted EBITDAs um what, um what have
1: you seen i think it completely depends on the on the nature of the of the company i think for companies that are sure. not affected its business as usual yeah you know, the difficulty is for a business yeah you know, that's in retail for example where obviously it's eBITDA has fallen off a cliff but that's also not in theory that's not the sustainable eBITDA of the business assuming things get back to normal and i guess that's that's perhaps the that's perhaps a big F that none of us really know at this stage, but but assume that they do, and and I think that does become difficult. But to to, to in, in my experience, what's happening then is deals just just aren't happening because because the seller, not unreasonably, says, you know what, my business that isn't the right ebitda, and the buyer says, well, I don't believe it yet, and and so there, there, there's an impasse. And so I, I yeah you know I think in that sort of situation, you might get into a more structured type of solution, and you know. Some of the stuff that Ian potentially does and things to come in and, and, and help bridge those bridge those gaps.
0: As Graham mentioned, obviously you'll um, be involved when it comes to pricing and um, pricing in the secondaries market. What what have you seen? Can you do you believe that that fair value can be achieved?
5: I think the question is what is fair value, and that you know that's where the impasse could be. You know uh, what I believe, uh, whereas enough. you believe that could be very interesting. I, I think. Um, Maybe again, maybe just to latching on to what Graham says, I think, you know, where you have a situation, we take a situation where, you know, a a fund is reasonably mature, it's got this asset, uh, which is potentially underperforming, but the GP knows the asset really well. And, you know, theoretically, um, or or wants to just hold on to the asset because uh, the current, it's not underperforming, but I just want to make sure that it does achieve what it believes to be fair value that's exactly where that, uh, you know, a single asset GP lead could be, play up the the GP's, uh, you know, hand in the sense that, you know, making sure that it can continue growing and knowing the asset. And I think that is one theme that I would say uh, is, Um, concentration uh, was always associated with increased risk and diversity, Uh, you know, uh, you know, in in normal uh, uh, statistics, you know, you kind of, the more you have, uh, the more you bring down the risk. I think where the market has changed views that we'd like to understand assets, be able to, uh, you know, roll up our sleeves and take a view. So more diversity does not always mean better because I think going to, to the plaster point or, you know, when When things do come back to normal, you know, and stimulus runs out and, um, you know, COVID adjustments are no longer there, uh, you know, how's that business really going to look? And, you know, when you have to analyse 40 companies or 100 versus four, I think you can take a much better view on a more concentrated portfolio.
0: What would you say has caused the appetite, um, this increase in appetite for GP leads over the past few years? Um, Raj, perhaps you could start us off on this one
4: yeah i mean i think i think it's both sides of the equation so i think it's uh demand and also supply um gps are clearly getting more comfortable with this idea um i mean you know as more transactions um get executed in the market i think you see more and more gps seeing that actually their own lps will get comfortable if they present something like this solution to them and uh you're also seeing you know i guess going back a few years you might have criticized these types of transactions and said, well, actually, you know, these are GPs who are sort of stuck with their assets, but i seeing. I think now we're seeing much more uh, high quality GPs with high quality assets um, using these solutions. So I think it's, you know, a now viable route that uh, GPs consider when they uh, come to sell their businesses. The other thing that's interesting is that there's a lot of uh, what I would say sort of traditional M&A, Bankers who now actually are trying to build their own sort of expertise in doing these types of transactions. So mm. you know that that that's not just because they're reading it in the press, but that's also driven by their own GP clients saying, actually, you know, we want to consider this as an exit route.
0: And, and Valerie and Petra, do you agree? Kind of what what your views as to what has caused this this increase in GP leads?
3: Absolutely agree that the market is here to stay and and to continue to increase. Um, you know raj mentioned many of the reasons for everything from being you know more education in the market um where gps now understand that it is acceptable um to their lps and to the broader community <laughs> for them to to entertain and 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 actually um transact um, in a gp led mm-hmm. um to you know people becoming uh more you know more advisors focusing on it so educating more people and frankly we're now starting to see gps who had done one a few years ago um it's it's worked out well um looking to do sort of we're we're seeing repeat sellers if you want Mm -hmm. um in in the gp-led market which is a very encouraging sign
0: and ian raj kind of Hinted towards this, this growing pressure and demand on on the banks when it comes to GP Leds. Um, what would you say? Kind of, how has financing solutions around GP Leds evolved and changed? Um, and has this increase in appetite impacted the financing market?
5: You know, there's a couple of panellists, um, the, their firms being, you know, I would call it at the forefront of already exploring, um, you know, financing solutions. But one thing that I would say as a, as a bit of a theme is we've seen some of um the other secondary players um, and, you know, very well-known, very large players actually stepping in and, uh, you know, realising that some of their peers are ahead of the curve, looking at their performance mm-hmm. metrics and saying, well, what are they doing different that we're doing? And and I would say one of the themes in the last couple of months have been, um, you know, participants that have not normally used uh, a financing solution in GP-leds also stepping or dipping their toes into into that part of the market.
0: And now moving Slightly so on to looking at preferred equity. Um, so, I'm keen to understand kind of what the secondaries, what secondary firms' appetite is like for preferred equity, um, and perhaps how is is this kind of area of the market shifting. Um, Graham, could you start us off on this one?
1: You know, I think it gets back to what Ian said. It's around what's the what's the rationale for it and, and how does that yeah. compare as a financing need to to frankly to your LP's capital? Can it is, is it fulfilling something that you you know, a gap that is required? And 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 as, as long as it is and it makes sense from a cost to capital standpoint, then then of course there of course there will be there'll be a market for it.
0: And Raj, what are your views on preferred equity at the moment?
4: Immediately after the uh, the you know the the COVID pandemic erupting I'd say probably Q2 um, there was a lot of buzz around preferred equity and I think a lot of um, you know what property classes traditional secondary players took a hard look um, at those opportunities. Um, I I would also say that a lot of those deals you know coming out of uh, the sort of early parts of the pandemic they had attractive pricing around them um, but I think that quickly um, contracted and actually you know where the market is now, I think it's sort of back to kind of the sort of you know pre-pandemic state where you've got you know the returns from private for preferred equity being distinct from you know the secondary private equity returns that you know, we all we uh, try to achieve. Uh, and, and you know to be frank, there are players in the market who have set themselves up and have set their stall to their investors saying that you know we will deliver, returns that are, you know, in the sort of preferred preferred equity type range. And and that's fine. Sure. And I think what we saw is those players actually being very uh, productive in doing a lot of deals during um, the early parts of the the COVID pandemic
0: and now looking at um leverage solutions Valerie and Petra if you wouldn't mind kind of looking at this one in terms of are you seeing leverage solutions in the market becoming more mainstream um and acceptable by accepted by LPs um and what are the secondary solutions perhaps LPs likely to back this year uh Petra if you wouldn't mind starting us on this one
2: in my opinion leverage you know both at the SPV level um you know and on the other side at the fund level facilities you know has played an important role in the secondary market for a while now um mm-hmm. you know and has been used um you know especially in the fund level facilities you know probably you know well i think in my opinion quite widely in the market um i wouldn't say that there has been a significant increase, but I wouldn't say that there has been, you know, a significant um, decrease in the use of leverage um, in in the secondaries market.
3: Leverage ha- has become, you know, a part of the secondary market. I think what you do find is that different players have different attitudes towards that leverage, and so mm-hmm. as Ian was was mentioning before um you know th- there are uh, you know there's the lp side of the market um where some are much more aggressive than others and historically it wasn't it, leverage wasn't very present in the in, in the more concentrated the, the gp led uh, or the, the, the types of transactions um yeah. what we have seen is you know as as the market has evolved as players have evolved their attitude towards leverage has has shifted over time, um, and and people are becoming more sophisticated um, mm-hmm. on their, if you want, strategic use of leverage um, to give them potential a potential edge, you know, to pay that much more, a little bit more, to to win an auction or um, to 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 be more strategic around um, the the you know their bids. Um, you know, mm. almost excluding an asset by using leverage. I mean, th- there are many ways you can play with that tool um, to to fine tune your 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 bid. And depending yeah. on the players, some have used that more than 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 others.
0: And that concludes our secondaries roundtable discussion. For more information on this and for the full write up, keep your eyes peeled on realdeals.eu.com and on our print magazine. Thank you for listening.